You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We said four quarters, all gas, no break. You guys did that today. Hell of a job. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked On Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Matt Schneidman is on the podcast today talking about his impressions from camp. And I had intended to spend the first part of this podcast when I planned out the week uh, talking about Jordan Love. I cannot start the podcast talking about Jordan Love. I wrote about him yesterday for Acme Packing Company. And so if you want to hear my thoughts about that, I highly encourage you to check that article out. And uh, we will talk about it a little bit with Matt. I do want to add that this interview and the interview from yesterday were each recorded because of scheduling, were each recorded before the Bucks decided not to take the floor for their playoff game against the Orlando Magic, setting off a chain of events that included the canceling of both NBA playoff games, NHL playoff games, and baseball games because of the police shooting in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And not just because of the shooting, but because of the reaction to it from these players. The Green Bay Packers canceled practice on Thursday and said having a team meeting to talk about the issues facing them and people like them. And in the case of someone like Lucas Patrick, he went out on social media and said, I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. And after hearing from my teammates, I get it. I see it. I see the flaws in the system that I benefited from. I see a system that hurts my teammates. I see the situations that they are forced to be in simply because they don't look like I do. And it was important for the Packers to do that. It was was important for Matt LaFleur to do that. And Matt LaFleur is not the most eloquent speaker on these issues simply by virtue of his lack of experience. And he is the first to admit that. In fact, yesterday explicitly admitted that. Said, I don't have these same experiences, but that's why it's important for me to listen to those who do. He makes up for his lack of experience with a passion and genuine care for his teammates and the people around him. And that's all we need. That's all we need. Worrying about athletes sticking to sports is to deny their personhood because athletes don't exist 
solely on the football field or the NBA court or the NHL ice. This is not a video game. They don't go to sleep when you turn off the TV. They have to go home. They have to go out in the world. And Mike Zimmer relayed a story from one of his players that that his player talked to the team about that he had been stopped on multiple occasions without having been told he violated the law because he hadn't and had guns drawn on him. And these are conversations now taking place in NFL locker rooms in the place of the football that is normally being discussed and broken down. And what I think we have to understand is, regardless of you know your feelings about politics in sports, doesn't matter. This is a historic moment. What we witnessed earlier this week a team saying we are not going to take the floor in a playoff game, a game we are willing to forfeit because we want to send a message, is historic. The Lakers and the Clippers, by extension LeBron James, said we don't want to keep playing the season because there's too much work to be done, too much awareness to be brought to these issues. And there is no saying, oh, well, they th- this is a, a pointless plan. It is just virtue signaling. No, the Bucks in the locker room of an Orlando arena in a global pandemic bubble got the lieutenant governor and that Wisconsin AG on the phone to say, how can we help? What can we do and what can you do? These things need to change. There needs to be action taken. And what we found out over the course of reporting from people like Woj and and Sham Sarania was that players had gone to ownership and said, we need your help. We need your help and influence. We need your pocketbooks. You know, Steve Ballmer and Dan Gilbert alone are worth over $100 billion. Tillman Fertitta, who owns the Rockets, has regular powwows with the president. They can help affect change. And the point of these kinds of protests, boycotts, strikes, whatever you want to call them, is to raise awareness, sure, but to normalize the anger that these players, and particularly the black players, feel. And, and you know, there has been this idea, oh, because Sterling Brown had experienced this, experienced police brutality. John Henson, the former Bucks player, had the police called on him in a jewelry store in Whitefish Bay simply for being there. Kyle Korver was a teammate of Thabo Cephalosha who had his leg broken by the NYPD. And it was, oh, this is personal for them. But what I saw over and over again on social media, for example, was journalists of color, other athletes, celebrities, and just people in the world saying, this is personal to all of us. And you shouldn't have to be someone affected by whether it's police brutality or racism or discrimination of any kind in order to say, this affects me. 
because this does affect you. This affects everyone. And it affects the players that you cheer for on Sunday. And I couldn't help but think, what would have happened if there had been football this Sunday? What would have happened if the Packers were scheduled to play a game? Would the leadership of this team and this organization said, I know this is only one of 16 and we're not even guaranteed 16 this year, but we can't in good conscience play given the lead that the Bucks and the Brewers took and that the shooting of Jacob Blake by a Kenosha police officer happened in their home state. It's not just personal for them because they play for a team in Wisconsin. Most of these players in Green Bay are not from Wisconsin. Kenosha is just another place to them. The same is true of the Bucks. The same is true of the Brewers. It's because you don't need to be from that area to feel what it's like. I don't know what it's like. I can't speak to that. But I do know that a lot of the men that I cover have experiences that I don't have and that I watch on my TV and that I, that I enjoy, that I get enjoyment from. And I have to be honest, it's harder to enjoy it when you know there is this injustice taking place. And that's the point. It should be disquieting. It should be uncomfortable. You should take a little less pleasure in it. Danny Heifetz from The Ringer had a great tweet. Sports is the reward for a functioning society. And until it functions for everyone, players in the NBA, players in Major League Baseball, in hockey, and I think if we'd had NFL games, NFL players would have all said, right now, we don't deserve that reward. All right, let's get to my conversation with Matt Schneidman. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt Schneidman. He writes for The Athletic. Soon we'll have a podcast coming out with the former host of this show, Bill Huber. Matt, thanks for coming on Locked on Packers. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So you wrote a piece for The Athletic earlier this week in which you put together your thoughts on some risers and fallers, the the, the tried and true training camp content, which is the only kind of content we get these days with no exhibition games. And I, I thought there were a lot of interesting names, certainly names of interest to Packer fans. If you had to just give me one, though, because you had a, a bunch of them, whether it's a riser or a faller, if there's just one guy who has stood out to you in either a positive or a negative way so far in training camp, who is that guy? Probably Kamal Martin is the guy that I've noticed most making plays around the ball, um, has had a couple tackles for loss, not only in the team periods when you're not allowed to tackle people, so I guess uh, hypothetical tackles for loss, but also in the live tackling periods. <laughs> um, I'm not – whatever, I'll just say it. He's been getting run with the ones, and I think that's obvious that nobody's hiding that. Um, as much as the Packers try because he wouldn't be getting this much buzz if he wasn't. Um, Him and Oren Burks are splitting some time, and and maybe the Viking scouts will be listening to this and and be able to prepare in advance, and maybe I'll lose my credential (laughs) for saying that. But 
It's obvious. I don't think I'm saying anything uh, against the norm. You know, he's being asked about it in press conferences, so it's public knowledge. Uh, Yeah, he's quick, powerful, able to to shed blocks pretty quickly. And and he's impressed me so far for a guy that, you know, didn't go to the combine because of a knee injury. And uh, especially at a position of need, that, that second inside linebacker spot, he has stepped up. Yeah, speaking of positions of need, you mentioned a couple receivers on this list. Uh, I, I think a lot of fans are already excited about Alan Lazard. Uh, what have your impressions been of this young receiver group? Because you know guys like Marquez Valdez-Scantling have also made some plays. Equinemia St. Brown, uh, a couple of nice ones. So what has been your impression of them in camp? Yeah, they've looked pretty good. Obviously, it's against, you know, decent competition it's really only Devonte going up against jair and and kevin has had some work against Devonte, but um you can't really tell obviously until it gets to game action i know i'm being cliche but that's what stinks about no preseason games everyone's saying the right things about all these guys i think like i said lazard has looked really good uh he's really developed a nice connection with rogers you can tell that's uh taken another step from what it was toward the end of last season. Valdez Scantling has played nicely. I think St. Brown's the X factor to watch. Um, People have raved about him most probably out of the guys we're kind of unsure of, uh, Adams and Lazard being the only two that we are sure of. Darius Shepard's looked really good. He he made a really nice diving catch on a ball thrown behind him with Darnell Savage in tight coverage during one-on-ones yesterday. I don't know if there's enough room for him on this team. Same with Reggie Begleton. I haven't seen him drop a pass yet. He's quick. Uh, Malik Taylor, too, the guy from Ferris State, second-year player who spent all the last year on the practice squad. And then Jake Kumaro. I mean, he seems to be in line to make the team again, but it always seems that once he does make the team, and especially last season, he never gets the ball in games. So we'll see if they give him another shot this year. But definitely some, some reasons for optimism with that receiving core. Yeah, I was just looking at it. In fact, uh, against the Lions in Week 17, Tyler Irvin got more targets than Jay Kumaro or as many targets. Um, I, I was I was going to ask you about him because he seems to be someone that is generating a lot of buzz. That the Packers are finding some interesting ways to get him involved. Uh, it, it seems like he is going to play a little bit of everywhere. I know you have to be careful about saying too much about which positions he's running with, but his flexibility and, and explosiveness – Looks like it can be, you know, a, a boon for this passing game because Matt Lafleur seems excited about the different ways that he can use him. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think also it's pretty obvious reading between the lines that he's not working at the position he's listed at. Um, right. I think I'm saying anything too obvious there because I've posted videos on Twitter that are allowed to be posted of his <laughs> normal position group. See how I'm trying to work my way around this his normal mm-hmm, position mm-hmm. group practicing and he is not included among them but from his teammates to him to his coaches yeah he can work at a couple different spots and he's definitely been someone that's caught my eye in camp as someone that's making more plays down the field um on the unit he wasn't used primarily on last year Nice. Nicely done. Um, training camp, uh, as Twitter often is, uh, is can be a Rorschach test to oh. some degree. 
Um, there's been a lot of positive buzz for Josh Jackson, but you listed him as someone who um, might might have been falling a little bit. And your reasoning was, look, for every play he makes, there seems to be a play that he's either in position to make and can't or uh, is is out of position and doesn't make. Um, what what is your what is your take there? Yeah, and I know there's been some disagreement with that, and you know people see one pass breakup in camp, one nice pass breakup, two nice pass breakups, even to say, ooh, he's a riser. But Josh Jackson's still the Josh Jackson we've known for the past couple of years. You know, they drafted him to be a prominent outside cornerback. You don't draft a guy in the second round to ride the bench, and that's what he's done. And he can't get on the field, and there's a reason for that. He has made some nice pass breakups. You know, he had one against Devontae Adams a couple days ago, but then a couple minutes later, he gets absolutely cooked for a 50-yard touchdown from Rodgers to Adams in, in team drills and is nowhere to be found in coverage. And then yesterday against Malik Taylor, he gives up a catch. He's in good position, but he can't bat down a ball that's thrown basically right to him. Same with a, a play in one-on-ones he had against Marquez Valdez-Scantling yesterday. So I know there are people, and I won't name names, who, who disagree with me on the fact that Josh Jackson is falling, but I've watched a lot of him this camp. And, yeah, he's made some nice plays, but he's made equally as many, if not more, plays that leave you shaking your head. And when you're a cornerback, it can't just be, oh, do you have more good plays than bad plays? You, you can't have those bad plays. We, Jair Alexander had 16 really good games last year and then two horrific games against the Cowboys and Chargers. And people are saying, uh, Jair's not there yet. So if we're saying that about Jair, that 16-2 to 2 ratio, then we got to be saying it about Josh Jackson, who has more bad plays than good plays in camp, at least from what I've seen. So uh, like you said, it, it's a dangerous world out there on Twitter during camp, especially <laughs> when no preseason games and we haven't had football for so long. And everyone, and I'm guilty of this too sometimes, reading too much into every rep. Um, but I think based on the nine practices I've seen of Josh Jackson, the consistency just isn't there to be able to rely on him to play any sort of substantial role. Consistency is the key word with Jordan Love. And he was another name on your fallers. Uh, I, I had just done a little bit on on Jordan Love earlier in the week and said, hey, you know, look, this is this is going to take time, and, and we always knew it was going to take time, so let's not freak out when the reports come out that maybe he's, he's you know, uh, developing a little bit slowly. I thought, though, your, your analysis was particularly interesting because you mentioned, look, he hasn't really let his arm rip. He hasn't, he hasn't been playing with a lot of confidence, a lot of touch passes, and there's been some inconsistent decision-making. The accuracy has been inconsistent. Uh, Matt LaFleur, I think, used the phrase swimming. He said he's he's swimming. He's in his head a lot right now. Uh, do, do you think that's a fair assessment of where he is? Yeah, I, I think so. And we talked to some of the offensive coaches tonight, too, or this morning as well. And Nate Hackett and Luke Etsy kind of alluded to the same. And listen, when I write that, and I know people have kind of taken that and run with it, I'm not saying, oh, he's a bust. And I wrote that. You know, right. I only say his stock is falling because – the general public's expectations, and maybe I shouldn't base that story off what, or base that couple paragraphs I wrote on what the general public thinks, but at least from my perspective, I expected a little more from him um, 
when camp started in the first week and a half of camp. Maybe that was unrealistic of me to think, but there's a reason I write about the players and don't coach them and don't, you know, know <laughs> as much about quarterbacks as they do. But like I said, he, he hasn't really put a, a lot of zip into a ball yet. We hear about his mobility, which obviously we don't get to see much of because there's no tackling and his arm strength. And yeah, he can throw the ball and he, he is accurate on downfield passes sometimes, but there hasn't been a throw where he's really zipped it, really flung it down there. And I've been like, wow, there's the arm strength. There's, there's the firepower, you know, like I said, and, and I use the word touch pass. Everything does seem like a, a finesse, a touch pass. And Matt LaFleur kind of agreed and said, he's thinking too much. He just has to trust his instincts, which are being able to throw the ball really far and really hard. And I didn't expect much of anything less because he's nine practices into his NFL career and he didn't have any off season uh, in person, at least to hone these skills. And he has no preseason games to hone these skills. So I'm not trying to set off an alarm. I know that's what people will take it to be. I'm just saying he's been less than impressive. And maybe that's because Aaron Rodgers has been more than impressive. So I'm comparing the two, but uh, no reason for concern for Jordan Love. I just said his stock is falling because I expected a little bit more. Yeah, and, and don't sell yourself short, Matt. Uh, the Buffalo Bills are reading your tweets. They admitted it uh, this week. So uh, that that is just, you know, something to keep in mind. So if, if you want to, you know, talk up Malik Turner or one of these fringe roster players, you're probably helping out the Packers if you're doing that. Um, I, I, I do want to ask you about Aaron Rodgers because uh, he apparently found something looking at some 2010 cut-ups. It does seem like they're attacking the middle of the field a little bit more. And, and, and Matt LaFleur talks about wanting to create more splash plays, that they're pushing the ball down the field a little bit more, and that Rodgers is making these throws that maybe he was inconsistent at making last year. I'm not asking you to you know, fully break down his throwing motion or his mechanics or anything like that, but is there, a, a, a regardless of the outcome, do you notice any sort of physical difference in Aaron Rodgers? I don't really, and maybe that's just because I don't know enough about quarterbacks and his mechanics, and I've only been watching him for one season, but I can't tell any, any physical, mechanical difference. Um, there might be one, and it would have helped if he could have told us what he saw in that 2010 film, so I could <laughs> give you a better answer here. But what I can say is um, he's been extremely accurate, and I know Matt LaFleur said that, and I'm not just trying to pump up Aaron Rodgers and put down Jordan Love. I know that's what it sounds like, but Rodgers has really been slinging the ball. He's been throwing it deep a lot, and I know people say, oh, he had four interceptions. Listen, these interceptions, a couple of them were, were bad, but a couple of them were also throws that he clearly would not make in games. And he has said in the past, I like to try things that I know don't hurt me. Uh, in practice and I think maybe with one or two of those interceptions that was the case a couple of them like I said were uh, pretty bad and I could see them happening in games but overall I've, I've seen a sharp Rodgers you know people say he's happy which I think means something especially after the offseason he just went through um, and he just seems on point and and like everyone's been saying this season an Aaron Rodgers with something to prove is the most dangerous Aaron Rodgers and even if he doesn't say he feels like he has something to prove. And even if he says, you know, I don't use anything that happened this offseason as a chip on my shoulder or as motivation, he does. Everyone knows that. He does. He, he likes holding grudges. Uh, I don't think that's a secret. 
Um, and I think if he is a little ticked off, which I would assume he is, then that would only benefit the Packers this year. What I'm hearing in all this is that uh, as many fingers of tequila as you can fit in your glass. Yeah, four. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, has there been any player, I'll get you out of here on this, any player that maybe isn't getting the buzz because he's not a big name um, that has that has impressed you, caught your eye? I know that the other day in practice it was, it was Stanford Samuel making some plays on the ball, Vernon Scott. Uh, who was certainly not a player on a lot of people's radars coming in has made some has made some plays, but as you say, those kinds of things can be misleading. But is there a name that you know maybe Packer fans wouldn't recognize as much where you were going, hey, that guy, that guy might be able to play? Yeah, that's a good question. Let's see. You know, I don't want to say Lane Taylor because everyone knows him, even though that name hasn't been brought up a lot in the past year since his injury. I'll say. I mean, you can say Lane Taylor if that's the no, answer, because I do I, think I that's wanna, an interesting I, point to make. I want to go a little more unconventional. I think, you know, Kingsley Kiki could be that guy. And I know okay. I've, I've written about him a couple times, so maybe it's not totally under the radar, but this run defense needs a, a breath of fresh air and some new life. And, and Tyler Lancaster, yeah, he's a nice story as an undrafted free agent who, who found his way into some playing time, but... I don't think he's the long-term answer. And Kiki is really the only guy of those defensive linemen besides Kenny Clark who we don't know enough about to make a decision on if he will be the answer in the long term or not. We know enough about Dean Lowry. We know enough about Tyler Lancaster. Kiki just didn't really get that many opportunities. He showed uh, a little bit of edge early on in camp. You know, he's he and Lucas Patrick – were probably the closest camp scuffle so far after uh, one of their one-on-ones. There was a lot of extracurricular shoving after the whistle. It didn't escalate into more than that, but Kiki's made in a couple nice plays against the run. He can affect the quarterback uh, in the pass rush, at least it seems, and that's something that Lancaster and Lowry didn't do at all last year. So, sure, they could still trot out Lancaster, Lowry, and Kenny Clark, but, you know, what do they say? The definition of insanity is, is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. So I think it would be malpractice against the Packers to just trot out that same three for the whole season. And I think at some point, sooner or later, Kiki's going to get a chance and could do some nice things on that defensive front. That, that's great. I appreciate the insight, Matt. Can you let my listeners know, if they're not already consuming all the content that you produce, where they can find that stuff? Yeah, at The Athletic. I believe we have a 40% off deal right now we got a different deal all the time i think at 40 percent off right now uh your monthly or yearly subscription something and uh i don't want to steal your thunder but i have a a packers podcast coming out september 7th i believe is the first episode so just another one to add to your rotation that already includes this podcast there's plenty of room for all of us under the tent matt i i welcome you with open arms I, uh, I look forward to listening to it, and I appreciate you coming on Lockdown Packers for what may be the last time if you're going to be doing your own gig. Oh, no, I'll, I'll still come on whenever you want. You know that. I appreciate it, Matt. Appreciate it, Pete. I want to thank Matt again for joining the show. And before we get out of here, I want to remind you about Built Bar because they make the best-tasting protein bar ever. They've got 18 amazing flavors, including six new ones, including 
Guys like caramel brownie, cookies and cream, carrot cake, lemon almond cheesecake, along with the stalwarts, the peanut butters, the salted caramels, the double chocolates, the toffee almonds, the peanut butter brownies. Come on, peanut butter brownie is outrageous. Go to BuiltBar.com and find your flavor, but know that the bars are all low-calorie, low-sugar, despite their names. High-protein, high-fiber, low-sugar for peanut butter brownie. Come on. How do you not want to try that? And I'm telling you, these things are delicious. I, I don't know how they do it. I've never tasted anything like it. That's not just me selling it. I am 100% serious. I would not be selling it this hard if these things were not delicious. Right now, go to BuiltBar.com and get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Use the promo code locked on at BuiltBar.com to get $10 off your next order. That's promo code locked on for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. We're going to be back next week with a lot more to get to about the Green Bay Packers coming up here on just a few weeks before the season is set to open. And I really have never missed the preseason more than I do now. There would be so much more to talk about, but here we are. It just is what it is, and we have to talk about practice. That's why I have Match Diamond on. We have to talk about, is there a home field advantage in a pandemic? That's why we had Ben Baldwin on. And, and I was glad to see so many people were like, man, I really wanted to hate Ben because of his Aaron Rodgers bit. But he seems like a good guy. And Ben is a good guy, by the way. I, I, ben is great and has always been... You know, even though we have disagreed, we we started off having a, a kind of contentious relationship. And uh, the more we talked, the more we interacted, uh, the more I was like, Ben's a good guy. He's playing, he's leaning into the bit, and he's really smart. That's the other thing. And so I come to him with questions on analytics all the time. Hey, explain this to me. What's the deal? And it's all from a, a place of trying to have understanding. Uh, I, I think that's something that we can all... Uh, strive to do a little bit better try to have a little bit more understanding understand where someone else is coming from and think hey maybe am i wrong on this is there more information i could gain that that is what i try to do and i know that that i come short as well so let's get back at it next week follow me on twitter peter underscore bukowski follow the podcast on twitter at locked on packers like us on facebook subscribe to the podcast itunes spotify google podcasts wherever you find podcasts you will find locked on packers and anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers. <laughs>